Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies, I wanted to let you know that I have a Patreon page now so that you can support the show. Check out patreon.com forward slash BTBPC and check out the cool stuff you can get for as little as two bucks per month. You can also find the link in the show notes. Thanks, as always, for listening. I want to thank Micah Ream for being the latest patron subscriber for Behind the Bits. She not only subscribed, but said some very nice stuff about the podcast, too. I'm grateful that BTB content is helping and inspiring people. Look for more great stuff for patrons at every level. Can you say merch? I am here in the Behind the Bits studio with Jamie Dykes from over in the UK. How you doing, Jamie? Yeah, I'm really good. You okay? Yeah, yeah. So you were actually introduced to me by uh, a guy by the name of Matt Napo who does the Mind Dog podcast. Yeah, great and guy. We've both been guests on that, so that's a pretty cool podcast. And he said you're a cool guy, and I watched some of your stuff, and you're pretty good. So it's good to have you on. Oh, glad to be on. Glad. So the way we do this, Jamie, is while we're live, I do a rapid round, and I ask everybody the same questions while we're on the rapid round. And this is like the entertainment tonight type questions that everybody asks, and then when we get off of here, we can really talk about comedy and everybody will just have to tune in and listen to hear the interview. So that's, this is a teaser folks. So what part of the UK are you from? Wales, South Wales to be precise. Okay, cool. What's the weather like today? Isn't known. It's absolutely wet. It's soaking. Just hasn't stopped all day since the moment (laughs) I woke up. We're supposed to have a heat wave this week. Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to sue the meteorologists. I think they <laughs> met office. They do the job they promised. No doubt. No doubt. How long ago did you start doing stand-up? July of last year. July 2019. So cool. I'm a year into it. I told you I'm doing it shortly over a year, so I'm not like a comedy vet yet yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, I've had massive interest in comedy for years since I was a kid, but the best part of the year that I've been doing it for now, so... Mm-hmm. So you're a newbie, but based yeah. on what I've seen, you've established a uh, persona and the way way you want your act to go. So that looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm sort of shaping up my own little act and trying to sort of tailor it together. But uh, it's a work in progress, let's say. But uh, yeah, I've done a few gigs. I'm happy with what I've done so far. Hopefully there's going to be a lot more to come in the next few weeks when more lockdown restrictions are at ease. Yeah. So what are the restrictions? What level are you at as far as easing restrictions? It was only Monday just gone. Um, In Wales in particular, they they started to open up pubs and restaurants where you can actually go indoors to to eat and drink. A few weeks before that, they opened up restaurants and bars, but you can only go outside. Uh Uh, But as of now, you can actually go indoors, but you're limited numbers. And I think you've got to wear a mask or use an app to get People bringing food and drinks to your to your table. Yeah, I don't think the comedy scenes have started back up yet under new under new rules. But uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for the call, see what gigs come about, and get on the list, get applying for for spots. Great, that's cool. That's pretty close to where we're at, and we've actually I'm close to Chicago, and a lot of the clubs in Chicago, or a few of the clubs, are starting to do some indoor shows. But it's uh, it looks weird with the social distancing because. Yeah. You can't be up by the stage and you can't fill the room. But a lot of outdoor stuff's going on too. I've done one outdoor show and hopefully doing another one. And that's, again, it's not ideal, but at least you're doing stand up. So that's, yeah, cool. doing stand up. Yeah. I did um, try and I did have a look at online gigs. There's a few people that I know have done the Zoom gigs and stuff. Yeah. 
it, it works for a certain type of comic and i encourage anyone just to get out their craft as best they can but for, for me i thought about it and um, it doesn't seem to be for, for me or for my particular type of comedy at least anyway but um, it works for some and i just don't think it would work for me yeah yeah, I, I agree with you there. I actually do a few, but I don't do my normal stuff. I, I, I either do current event stuff or I've got some uh, characters that I do and stuff like that. But yeah, it's I only do it just so I can be with other comics and see how they do it. Some of them are so good at it. Yeah, yeah. some of them are really impressive, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's going to probably carry on. Some form of this comedy is going to carry on with the zoom type mics and stuff like that, simply because we're getting introduced to people that we normally wouldn't work with and making connections and, and stuff like that. But I'm not going to fly out to LA and, and do a set there, even though I've met some people out there Yeah, because I'm not ready for it yet. But these types of, those types of things are good. And I like watching them more than I like doing them. So I, yeah, I know yeah. <laughs> that's the impression I got from myself is I, I think I enjoy watching some of them if I've known a friend of mine or two that's done them. But um, it's, I don't think it'd be for me personally. I don't think I'd give it my all. I, not because I wouldn't want to. I, I just I just didn't feel I would feel genuine as a comic doing right. my bit online. And your stuff is really it's like my stuff. It's more geared to be in person with an audience. Yeah, if, you, you, if you said that right. stuff on Zoom you'd have to change it up so much it wouldn't even be the same act. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. It's um I, I think we would probably need to hear someone laughing or a bit of a ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just the silence of uh, the whole thing I've just never really been into. I mean, so far I've never had uh, an audience which has gone silent on me. I've had people go Yeah. But um <laughs> I prefer that than than complete silence. At least you get yeah. some form of emotion or some form of feedback. A any reaction is good, even if it's yeah. a, even if it's a boo, it's good because that means it's, they're listening. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll take a boo over over dead silence. Yeah, no <laughs> so, um, who were your influences as far as uh, stand-up comedy is concerned? Who did you look to as saying, "Hey, they do that. I want to do that, and I want to be like them." I think. Me and Mr. Napple have, um, have covered a little piece of this. It's a mutual obsession with uh, Doug Stanhope. Oh, yeah. Love him. So yeah. Doug Stanhope is, he's, he is like God as far as comedy goes in my eyes. But I didn't, I don't think I watched him and thought he's what makes me want to do stand-up. He's got me into stand-up comedy. But I don't know, I think it probably goes back to when I was a, a kid. It's watching little sketch shows on TV. Me and my brother used to watch TV shows that weren't really for kids, but we did. So like programs like Hale and Pace and the Frank Skinner show or Bedeal and Skinner on plan. Mm -hmm. Massive stand-up comics as such. But the, the, the bits they done, the sketches they done were really interesting. And then as I got a little bit older, we started to watch things like Billy Connolly and uh, Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. And um, later on then Frankie Boyle, Scottish comic, who's absolutely phenomenal. He's incredible. Yeah, I think. My father got me and my brother to watch one of his gigs when we were a bit younger, but he was so hilarious because of his the physicality, the way he acts out his jokes, if you like, as well. It's just so good. But uh, yeah, so I think it was a it, it was like an amalgamation of all these guys I watched when I was growing up. But I think it was then in later life the Frankie Boyle and the Doug Stanhopes that made me think not want me to do comedy like them, but give me the, the little nudge that I needed to think, okay, this is what I want to do. Mm. obviously you've got your George Carlin's in there as well and you had, um, your Dave Chappelle which even though I think Doug Stanhope is my ultimate all-time favorite comic I think Chappelle is what everyone classes as the goat because he, he is right. yeah and Stanhope is really the goat of the type of comedy that he does which yeah. he really goes to the edge of uh, what you should say and what you shouldn't say but he does it in a way that it's so personal to him that he can get away with it. And I, I think yeah. it's cool, cool that he can do that. The stuff about his mom, holy cow, that's just that's that's just good stuff. And it's an amazing piece though. It's an amazing bit when he talk about goes into the assisted suicide of the alleged assisted suicide of his yeah. mother and then goes right into credit card fraud and religion. It's 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 incredible the way structures his jokes and pulls them all together. Yeah. But yeah it's, it's, he he speaks from the heart. Whether you think his heart is dark and twisted. It's not the point. He speaks 
a truth. He speaks his truth, and he's just got a great. He's a great storyteller. I think that's that's why he's so good. You know, he's yeah. great at telling yeah. stories. And he's a sweet guy. All every comic that's ever worked yeah. with him, he's a sweet guy too. Yeah, so. he's one of the nicest guys you meet. I, I've seen him. Tw- I met. I, I've met him. I've seen him twice live uh, when he's come to the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping to go and watch him again in October, but I don't think that's happening this year. So, um, yeah, he's worth watching live if you've never seen him watching live. Yeah, great. So this is off topic, but one of the questions I'm asking everybody, and I like this because another podcaster did it and I thought it was good. Are you reading any uh, books, listening to any podcasts, getting into any music that is changing your life or just making things better, gave you a light bulb moment, Any anything that you're consuming that is helping you out? I suppose my sort of, I, I don't particularly sit down and plan to write a specific joke, but if something will just pop up in the news or something, well, I'll watch a documentary about Jeffrey Epstein, and I think I can write a piece on that. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just, at the moment, the new set that I'm working on, uh, is working on a set of all new material. That's basically just all things that have just been raised from the COVID-19 situation and other things that have popped up in the news and related to it, but it's, it just all fits into the set the way, or at least I hope it's going to fit into the set. Um. Right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's more like it's topical currently. Yeah. Yeah. But podcast wise, um, I listen to a bit of Joe Rogan, like everyone else does. Uh-huh. Uh, the Stano podcast as well. Issues with Andy podcast. It's primarily a podcast made up of a few friends of uh, Doug Stanhope uh-huh. and a few comics, which is a, it's a good show. It's a really good show. But yeah, it's just a little bit of everything at the moment. I think really it's given me a little bit of a bit of encouragement. Yeah, that's great. Last question for the rapid round. What, I can't read my writing. What uh, comedy al- album or special would you uh, say is your all-time favorite? I'd probably go with Doug Stanhope, No Refunds. Okay. Cool. So a Good couple one. of Dave Chappelle ones on Netflix are phenomenal. But uh, yeah, I'd probably go with Doug Stanhope, No Refunds, as being the gold standard for me. So raw, so edgy, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, i take that back. It's raw, it's edgy, it's unperfect. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, being being imperfect and being in the moment is the is really the yeah. mantra of that that particular show. That's a good one. Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Have you found that this uh COVID stuff and the pandemic has that helped your writing or hurt your writing? Um I think a few of the jokes, well, naturally like jokes uh, I do have in my new set with well, the sort of set I'm working on are COVID nineteen related, but yeah, I didn't particularly go in with the intention of writing jokes about COVID-19. It's just jokes that just happened to come to me by watching things on the news. Mm. Um, so I, I think anything that gets you writing down jokes can't be a bad thing, surely. I'd probably say to encourage it a bit more as well. Um, the jokes are probably not going to be relevant in six months, a year's time, because they're going to be old hat, if you like. So I'd probably have to work on a whole new set again. But for the time being, I'll just find solace and people laughing at a joke about a global pandemic. Yeah. You so said, I, 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 can't, I can't see how it's harmed my writing at all. Yeah. The clips that I've watched, you seem to go with the flow. And I've seen, I, because I do comedy and I watch a lot of comedy, yeah. I've seen you do a change up in the middle of a set. What That's hard for a new comic to do, first of all, because most new comics, when you've been for a year, you want to go out there, you've got your uh, 20 minutes of material or whatever you're doing, and you just want to do that. But I've seen you bob and weave a little bit. What's that like for you? It keeps it fresh and interesting. I think it's because going, like my first ever gig I did was, it was at the Glee Club in Cardiff. It was the first ever time I'd done a gig. It was in front of 400 people. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd done a pretty decent set. But the whole premise of the gig there was um, it was to get this, um, aspiring comics to raise money for Cancer Research UK. You do an eight-week course, if you like, with a well-known local stand-up comic, a guy called Ignacio Lopez, who's mm-hmm. really well worth looking into. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd have an eight-week course with him. You'd raise money for Cancer Research UK. And the end product is you'd do a five- or six-minute set in the Glee Club. So based on 
the very little information that, that I knew about stand-up comedy up to that point was you you do a set in the glee club and then you know if, if you want to do comedy you're on your own then you find your own gigs but I wanted to try and keep each gig I did a little bit fresh even though I use a lot of the same material just try and throw one or two other jokes in there just try to keep it fresh myself I just didn't want to be pinned down to a specific set for a certain mm-hmm. amount of time I just find it entertaining for myself if anything just to try and keep myself get out of the, the the rut of just doing the same material over and over again yeah even though a lot of my sets have been with you know, recycled material from last july but i'm just trying to keep it fresh just by adding new bits and pieces in there as well so yeah and i think that's where the ideas come you, know, you experimented with new ideas i tried and tested a five minute piece in the glee club i know it worked because the reaction i had mm-hmm. i want to do the same thing over and over again so now i'm at a point where i'm trying to work on a whole new set without using anything that I've done in my initial set. So far, so good. But yeah, it's interesting. I like it. Yeah, and it's good to do that early on because if you don't, you get into a rut of memorization and just yeah. doing doing the same thing over and over. I I was in that rut, so I, I understand it for sure. Your opening joke, I want to talk about that. Your opening bit, you move the microphone stand and you say, I got to get this away from me so I don't uh, grab it and start to lose uh, my mind sw- and beat the fucking front row. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I listen to that. I think it's really funny, but I wonder have you ever engaged in some fisticuffs in the bars or are you a tough guy? No, I'm, I'm the guy who will like, I'll be mouthy and then I'll stand behind a big front. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm going to show you a friend of mine. And then Greg. Hey, hey how you doing? Hey, He's a tough guy, and we won't prove it again. And that's why I can be a monkey bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I'm not a tough guy. But I, I'll, I'll stand my ground. I'll hold my own. Mm-hmm. It's very likely I'm going to be the one going out in a stretcher. But you yeah. know, <laughs> but no, as of yet, I've never had any real confrontation in in a gig where I've been threatened. I've been pulled up on some material I've done as being inappropriate. Uh huh. That's fun. But um, no, I've never had any physical confrontations yet anyway. so Yeah. I think it's a really good opener simply because you want to you wanna grab people's attention, and it really yeah. grabs people's attention. And it sets the tone for what you're going to do f- for the next yeah. few minutes. So Thanks, I, Yeah, I really like that. Uh, you talked about inappropriate. Is there a difference that you can see as far as what's appropriate and what's not appropriate from uh, the UK to the US? Based on the comics that I know from the US, they ain't got much of a content filter. Mm-hmm. And they got a, a, a decent fan base. We talked about Doug Stanhope. Do you know Andy Anrist at all? I don't. He's a, he's a stand-up comic. He's good friends with Doug Stanhope. They, he was one of the Unbuckables. Don't know if you heard the Unbuckables. Okay. Sean Rouse. And he was one of those guys. But yeah, so based on my knowledge of American comics, I... Bill Burr as well, Anthony Jeselnik. They ain't got much of a filter. But I think in the UK, I think we're even more open. I don't think we're so narrow-minded as far as telling jokes about, let's just say, religion goes and abortion goes. Mm. I think there's a little bit more freedom of freedom of speech and a bit more freedom of expression as well. Mm. But I don't think you can get away with certain bits of material in the States without getting pulled up on it. And again, this, that just goes back to like jokes with comics where they've done jokes about religion. It's always followed up by when I told this joke and I got pulled up on by a bunch of Christians for saying this about abortion and yeah, but to my knowledge doesn't happen so much in this country. That's a good thing. And I grew up on like Dave Allen and two Ronnie's and Monty Python and stuff like that. And that was subversive in the seventies when it was, Mm. when they were showing it on the public stations here in the United States. And, you know, I, I absolutely ate that stuff up and loved it. Yeah, no, I, I, I got a um, 40 hours box set. It's called 400 Years of Monty Python. It's like the best of their TV show and a couple of their films. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's easy going. Some of the material is a bit dated, but it's still easy going, fun sketches. It's nothing to not like in there. Are you, so I can tell from your Facebook that you're married and you have kids. What does your wife think about you doing stand up? Oh, she loves it. She thinks it's fucking great. She thinks it's, she's all for it. Good. I think it's because I was a bit of a, 
not a recluse. I got plenty of friends and family members around, but I just didn't really have any specific like interest or hobbies. So I'm happy to go out and um, a couple of drinks with the guys. Yeah, I'll watch the rugby, I'll watch the football. I'm not really into sport as such, but I'll go out and I'll just interact. But no, I think comedy came around and yeah, it did. It, it just helped with a lot of things. Um, like I did try, I, I, originally I wanted to go into acting when I was younger. And then I thought, oh, I'll go into like script writing. And then the opportunity arose to do stand-up comedy. And then she was like, you write some good stuff down. You find it hard to put down on paper in, in the form of a script for like actors to, to, to reenact. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just try putting some of that material down and go on a stage in front of a microphone in front of a few hundred people and just spew your guts out, which is what I did. So, uh, yeah, she's all for it. Bit of a, I, got a, I never always had a bit of a warped, twisted sense of humor, even since I was a kid. That's why we are friends, me and Craig, because he's the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, no, she's supportive wholeheartedly, so she's got my back 100%, which is mm-hmm. great. In fact, she was when I first started it, she said, promise me if you're going to do it, there's no compromise. So I said, what do you mean? She said, you don't compromise with any material. If someone says you shouldn't say this or do that, you want to do it, should you just do it? So mm-hmm. she was the first one to say no compromise. Yeah, and I live by that philosophy since I started comedy last year. Yeah, I, you got to respect that because you are who you are, and if you yeah. try to tone it down on stage, it's disingenuous and it just doesn't work. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and yeah. the audience know when you're lying to them as well. And like, I think every comic is in this house a bit of a liar. Everyone tells a story that was funny and you add your, your own version of the truth in there. But if you're not being genuine to the joke or the bit or the story you're telling, then pe- the audience are going to, they're going to fucking eat your life. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to really fucking take you down. There's a few bits I've done. I thought, should I tone this down? Should I not do that? And the answer is no. <laughs> you know, I, I think, they, but they, there's a fine balance. You've got to, excuse me, you've got to find a balance of being able to, honor your own integrity of this is what I want to say, this is what I'm going to do between saying something just to deliberately hurt someone's fucking feelings. If you go on stage and you say flat out anti-Semitic jokes or racist jokes or jokes about people with disabilities for no fucking reason, then you're going to look like a dick and you're going to come across as a dick. Mm. As part of the clap of damage, someone with a disability has been the receiving end of it, but the joke wasn't directed at that person. It was directed at the person's mother. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't directly set out to cause fear mentally to, to that person. It was just a joke about a, a very well-known, horrible fucking woman in, yeah. in the UK. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's funny when you poke fun at a certain type of person or somebody, even somebody in the audience they're usually totally okay with it. It's the other people in the audience that get offended. And yeah, yeah, you know, I noticed that. Yeah. Pe- I'm huge. I'm six five, and people, comics tend to pick on me because of that. And they'll call me a gorilla or whatever. And yeah. I'm totally not offended, but you can see people in the audience raising their eye- eyes saying, you know, I don't know about that. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't say that. But yeah, if you're okay with it, you, you know, you're a tall guy. So obviously, yeah. what's the problem if you don't see any offense with him? Yeah. Um, I, admittedly, um, I, I started to watch one of your bits the other day. I, I think it was yesterday on, on YouTube. But then I got distracted because of the kids. I am going to um, go back and I'm going to rewatch a, a few of your bits on YouTube. Oh, So I yeah. should have done a bit more research before this podcast. But uh, yeah. I am going to. Yeah, they were Matt and Apple as well. I'm going to jump on there. And, uh, he got my interest. I watched a few of his podcasts. Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching your stuff on YouTube. Yeah, he's got a wide variety of people on his podcast for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mean, he's got yeah. entrepreneurs. He's got psychics. He's got comics. And it's just everything. Yeah, he's fucking, he's really good. He, he asked me for some advice the other day on some, let's just say, is a person called Sammy. And he said, I didn't know how to address this person. Do I say Mr. Sammy, Mrs. Sammy, just the name Sammy. And he said, I can't tell by the photograph. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm the last person who should be giving you advice on anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't even ask me what beer you should drink. Let alone ask me what the specific chosen pronoun should be of this Sammy you're speaking of. <laughs> I think it's actually easier now because you can ask what pronoun you want to go by. And well, if you should be freely open to ask that question, though, because there's so many pronouns it's yeah, yeah i'll call you by whatever you want me to call you by i got no problem with that whatsoever yeah. just give me a little indication as to what it is please 
<laughs> when you uh, think about the community, the comedy community around you, do you feel like there's a, a, a large group of supportive people who are like in the same boat as you? They're still learning, but they're um, getting in the clubs and stuff like that. And do you have enough places to perform around you? Yeah, there's when we finished the uh, the gig of the Glee Club for Cancer Research UK, quite a few of us decided to you know start our own little Facebook chat page going. And for the best part, we've all pretty much stuck together. So we all help each other out with his gigs. And we all usually, we all meet up at the same sort of venue and we do a few gigs with each other. So I think, yeah, so I, I feel quite lucky to have that sort of support network of, you know, like-minded comics. We, we get on really well. We're quite close. We meet other people. And to answer the other question, yeah, is Cardiff has got a, a fairly decent sort of a comedy scene as well. Mm-hmm. It's a bit tight to get gigs because then they may say we're looking for five, six, seven sort of performers and then 20, 30 people might say, oh, I want a piece of this action. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, you know, go on to a waiting list then if, if you like. But um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to get my foot in a few doors, met a few interesting people who run their own sort of uh, comedy nights as well. It's support, they provide a lot of support as well if you know the right people. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I just wondered what the community was like there versus here because it depends on where you're at but it seems like every town that has thirty thousand people has a few comics there and they're looking for a way to put on a show so you know it's neat that's happening nobody's getting famous real quick but it's neat that it's happening yeah you're just doing what you love doing. If, if you're into football or rugby, you just pick up a ball, you go to the fucking park, pick the fucking ball around and yeah. win. But I think with, so even if you're a band, it's, yeah, it's a saturated market of getting gigs, but I think it's easier probably to get yourself a gig than it is to get yourself a gig as a stand-up comic because it's like a renaissance of comedy happening at the moment. Well, since I got into comedy, it might just be because it's fresh to my eyes, but I know it's a massive boom in, on the comedy scene. Mm-hmm. I'm, my, it's probably just because my eyes are more, you know, open to it than they ever were previously because I'm in that sort of mix now. But it's definitely something happening, I feel, anyway. Yeah, cool. You talked about taking that class. Did you, first off, how long was the class? Did that go for a few weeks or how did that, how did the class structure was, go? Um, eight, it was an eight-week course. It's okay. a company called Ultra. So they do ultra comedy. I think they do like ultra boxing ultra k so the, the idea is this company will say we're going to do an eight-week course on comedy now uh-huh. so you know the idea is they train you for eight weeks albeit with uh, a professional standard comic they give you the eight-week training and then again you basically have to sell x amount of tickets and then you have to raise x amount of money for donations to raise money for cancer research uk uh-huh. And then your, you know, golden ticket then is you get to do a five-minute set in the Glee Club, which is a fucking huge comedy club. I saw that. So, that uh, was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was the the whole idea of it. So I, you can't teach funny, but um, I think if if you've got something that's like burning inside and you can have eight weeks with a professional stand-up comic to give you that little boost and direction of how to structure material, then I think, you know, it's well worth doing. came out of that that you still use today. What's the, the takeaways from a class like that? Re- rewrite your material. So you might have a, a joke written down, you think it's golden, but um, so when we started doing the, the comedy course, Ignacio Lopez would come around, he said, oh, let's see let's see your joke, and you'd have a page. Mm-hmm. Be like, it's a good joke, but fucking long-winded. Yeah. They shut off halfway through that. So he said, well, you know, what you got to do now is they give you homework there and they say, we write this bit and try using different words. And so I think it's all about, it was all about structure. So I take away from that, the, the you can call it discipline, I'm a bit of a lazy person. Mm-hmm. But um, the discipline, just to, if, you, if you've got an idea in your mind, just to discipline yourself to sit down and write it, talk to yourself in the mirror if you have to as well, just make sure you perfect it to a point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just go by of what was said in the, in the initial of the eight weeks. Very right. helpful. Cool. When you, I think I lost my question. When you are doing this writing, the 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 whole writing part, do you have a set time of day that you write? Do you just write down stuff as it comes to you? How do you do it? 
Yeah, I haven't got a specific method as such. Uh, I would show you how it's all over the place. I got a, a desk by here, but it's, it's just covered in post-it notes yeah. and <laughs> scrap bits of paper. There's stuff on my laptop. There's stuff on my phone. Yeah. I can I can go to bed really tired, half 12 in the night, and I can just think before I go to sleep, oh, I've got to type this down on my phone. Yeah. Three days, I'll forget about it. And a few days later, I might come up, I might see something on the news, and I might think, well, I wrote something the other day. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but then when you put it together with what you thought of, what you saw on the news, fits together like a glove. But yeah, it's just bits of shit all over the place. Really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, napkins and like I said, post-it notes, things on the back of like uh, receipts and all sorts of stuff. Where you just little one-liners or whatever works. But no, I don't yeah. have a specific day. I, I don't think I've got. A, I haven't got a structure at all. But it's just regurgitate what comes in, into my brain. Yeah, I've I find. And I think you have it too, that I get so many ideas when I'm in bed and I'm getting ready to go to sleep and I get a lot of them when I'm driving too. So I actually got myself a little voice recorder because it's so hard to find the voice recorder app on your phone. I got a little by itself voice recorder. So when I'm driving or whatever, I'll, I'll say, oh, this is funny, blah, blah, blah. And then I can go back and transcribe it or whatever. Yeah, I've done that on my phone as well a couple of times. I, I've just got up my phone, and if I've, if I've had too much to drink, and I physically can't write anything down. I get my phone, and it's just me. Uh, just, uh, you walk into a bar, and I listen to it back, and like you just said, you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it just gets fucking deleted and just goes into the, into the junk. But yeah, I, I think it's just if you're a comic or you're a musician or a songwriter, then I think you just probably the process is just write down whatever comes to your mind and hope it fits into a, something else you're working on at a later date. Uh-huh. But no, I don't know about you, but I couldn't really picture myself sitting down at a set time with a with a laptop thinking, write a joke. Yeah. I, I just don't think I, my, I couldn't do that. I yeah. think I'd just be too agitated and frustrated if I couldn't get anything out. Yeah, no doubt. When you took that class, did they ever make you do a joke? They gave you a, a subject or a word that you had to do a joke on, and you had to write from that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it's a TV program in this country called um, Mock the Week. It's basically just like a couple of stand-up comics. have got their own little teams, and they've got like uh, Darren O'Brien is the, like the, not the judge, the, the host of the show. Uh-huh. And they'll have like a, a buzz round where... They'll flash up on the board, and the topic will be things you shouldn't say in a funeral. And then a comic would walk up. And so we did something like that, similar okay. in the training session, which was very helpful. So, yeah, you, they would basically just give out little, uh, write something on a bit of paper, you yeah. pluck out of a hat, and then you'd say your topic is, it could be the name of a politician or whatever. So, yeah, you yeah. just have to go away and just write something based on that. I think it's good exercise. I, I probably wouldn't live my comedy life doing that because unless you're Dave Chappelle, you ain't going to make it funny. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we did stuff like that. It was, did, it was fun. Really fun. Was any of it that you wrote on those subjects, did any of those become a keeper or you made them a keeper in another way? A keeper in another way. There was one bit I remember, one part I remember doing specifically was about, I don't know, a, a politician called Michael Gove. He's a, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bad language the guy. But yeah, it, the topic was it was his name, and it was things you would find in Michael Gove's pockets. Uh-huh. So I think I said I don't. Know, I, think, I I can't remember the, the full joke, but it was something. Oh, and a receipt for a petrol station twenty miles away from where he lives because that's the distance a politician has to travel to bury a dead prostitute. <laughs> I've, I've oh, seen that one. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can't remember the full bits in there, but that was the, the end. The ultimate part of it was that is because you've got to go 20 miles to uh, bury a dead prostitute. Yeah. So I, think <laughs> I used that joke. I didn't use that joke. So I, I, I used the premise then of Michael Gove because a few months after we did the, the Glee Club and everything, a news story came out that Michael Gove had admitted to smoking a joint when he was in university, mm-hmm. which is no deal. So I just sort of worked on a little bit about politicians publicly apologizing on Sunday morning chat shows. <laughs> but I just said, I want, I wrote down like something like, I, I just want a politician to stroll on the set at half eight in the morning with his tie undone, jeans undone, <laughs> eating a fucking burger, saying shit like, oh, I, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I'm apologizing for. I didn't even see the kid near bike. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> just to have a fucking mental breakdown. Yeah. While trying to dig out a, a little baggie of coke from his pocket from the night before. But yeah. just a little 
just some honesty and decency from politicians. I apologize for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it went through a bit of a time where they were all coming out saying, oh, I smoked the spliff too and I apologize. It was like, fuck off. You don't want to apologize. You want to walk in the show with a bottle of fucking gin in your hand and uh-huh. sit down and, yeah. That's hilarious. You said spliff and they don't say that much over here anymore, but that was the, that was what you called a joint in yeah. in the seventies and eighties when I was smoking, it was always spliff. And it's funny that comes up because it, yeah. hardly anybody oh. says it around here anymore. Spliff or oh, spliff was, as we call them, uh, bifters. Okay. That's just a personal thing between me and my partner. Not that we do marijuana kids. I'm just saying it's, <laughs> If we see someone smoking on TV, we say that's a bifter. Yeah. <laughs> Plausible deniability. So when you are putting your material together, what do you have any way of saying, okay, this is a keeper, I'm going to keep on with this, or I this one just doesn't work and I'm going to put it away and maybe come back to it? Do you have, do you have any <laughs> metrics that you use to say, I'm going to use this or I'm not going to use it? Um, I think the only true testing method is to write something down, and if you think it might be funny, just take it to a take it to an open mic night and just um, say it. If you get laughs, but you think it could do better, then work on it. But yeah, I, I've written down a few, quite a few jokes that I've put on the back burner um, because I don't think they 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 they're ready enough for people to to listen to. But I, I just think they're just not ready for. Yeah, I, I think we need a bit more work on them. Yeah, there's a few things I chuck in the back seat just uh, for a, for a rainy day. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, and I don't like to talk about my own comedy when I'm interviewing people, but I actually had I a bit. Ask, that, I just don't know. I don't want to ruin your, your interviewing flow. I, I keep meaning to ask about stuff you do as well. I just want to interrupt you. Yeah, flow. I'm the opposite of of you really and Stanhope I'm a totally clean comic it's totally different but how I am in real life is a lot different than I am on stage so that's the difference but I had this joke that I was using as a closer for a long time and I didn't think it hit like it was supposed to and I've actually turned turned it around and rewrote it so that it's an opener and it's actually worked a lot better as an opener and you really you really have to put your ego aside to decide things like that and say, Hey, you think this is hilarious. You think it's great, but it's not as good as you thought it was. So you just can't keep hammering at it or you'll never get anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's the key to again, progression as well. It's just to put your baby to one side and just um, call it a day or even just play around with a joke. I am. I've done the, started indically as well i had a i had what i thought was a perfect joke about memory loss and michael hutchins <laughs> but um a few people thought it was funny in the group and then ignacio well, he wasn't overly impressed with the joke and i said oh, i was a bit too dark he said no man the fucking darker the better fantastic uh-huh. but he just said i don't think it it doesn't flow he said if you're gonna do it you need to make it fucking strong he said that's gonna be one of those make or break jokes uh-huh. so but that's a joke i'm gonna i have put to one side for the foreseeable. So to answer your previous question as well. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's a case of realizing you might think it's funny, but it might not be right at the moment. And it just needs work and tweaking. But, yeah. uh, what, what joke was it? So you put, you had a joke that uses a closer and then you put it as, a, as an opener and it works a lot better. Yeah. So I had a real thing happen a couple of years ago where I went into a gas station and the uh, cashier said, uh, you look like an older Harrison Ford. And I, he's 22 years older than I am. And I took, I put that into a joke and I made it my closer. And it it was just talking about my age at the end of the show rather than at the beginning. So I've started my, the the last show I did, I started it with a, and I did this on a zoom show actually last night. I started it with a, um, Hey, I'm Scott Curtis and I'm probably younger than you think I am. And then I go into the Harrison Ford thing and I shorten it by quite a bit and it actually worked a lot better. So, you know, it's the cashier gave me the best gold nugget I could get because I never (laughs) would have thought of that. And it's something I'll always have in my act, but I don't know exactly where to put it yet. And it seems like the beginning's better. Yeah, good. So you just tailored your act and then just, just to suit the, the audience in, in a fair. But that's not really not 
compromising. It's just doing what you think's better for your set. And if you're happy with it, then what's the fucking problem? Yeah. And one of the things I'm challenging myself with, and I think you may re- relate to this, is I'm trying to take everything I did in a successful set and make it change it so it's not the same at all in another set. So I I talk about my relationship with my wife a lot and we've been together 37 years and there, I've got a lot of decent jokes in there. So the one I'm doing now is I'm trying not to mention my wife at all to see just to challenge myself to make sure that I can be funny without bringing my wife into it. It's weird. It's different when I'm stuck at home for so much, I, I have to do something. So yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, good. It's all about um, writing and rewriting, as we said. Yep. Now, when I looked at your YouTube channel, I see some stuff that looks like house shows. Are are you doing some house shows over there? Uh, not yet, no. The two on the bottom, they, my boy decided to hijack my email address to set himself up a YouTube channel. Uh-huh. There's two, I think they're the ones you're referring to. So that's my son's first attempt at being a YouTuber. Okay. So he's got his own little thing going on now as well. But the, the rest of them, no, they're all actually filmed in uh, comedy pubs or bars or restaurants in Cardiff. Okay. Yeah, I've so, actually yeah, been exploring. To get a, my, with my new material, once it's done, is to do a little garden party, just get some friends and family over, maybe over the course of one or two nights, depending on how many people we can squeeze in. Uh-huh. I think I'm just going to run my whole set to a bunch of uh, fresh years, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a neat way to do it. And I've actually been, I had, before the COVID hit, I had been exploring the idea of doing a house show because yeah, it, you, know, it, it, you got your audience right there. And I've been to a lot of music house shows and they're right there. You don't even need a mic and you can do your set and have yeah. a couple other people do it. So it seems like a cool idea. Yeah, I, I, ideally, I would have, excuse me, I would have liked to have done one a lot sooner. But the only material I had, which was solid and good to go, was my old material. But I thought that the only people I could invite to, to lockdown would be people who have probably heard that set multiple times anyway. Mm-hmm. So even though I had some new material, I thought I, I don't want to just basically just throw this out there without it being worked over a couple of times. Right. So, um, right. yeah, there's a few people asking me now, like my sister... So you said he was doing a, a comedy party weeks ago. I was like, yeah, but I'm on my, like, my third rewrite now. I, I can't just, <laughs> I could just put out there for you, but you're not going to laugh and you're not going to want to see any moment to you ever again. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> wait till it's done, princess. <laughs> when you, th- this is something I like to ask everybody, and it's, I think it's usually very telling. What three things do you know now that you wish you would have known when you started doing stand-up? You think you've got some fucking great solid material nailed down, and because you had one great gig with him, the next one's going to be the same. Mm. So I wish I knew that was not going to be the case. Probably you should spend a little bit more time on your material before your gig. Again, even though your material, just go over your material, spend a bit more fucking time. Mm. Uh, I think just... I don't, I don't think there's a third one, really, that I can think of. Oh, yeah, uh, maybe drinking way too much before you gig probably isn't always a, is a good idea. <laughs> Although I, I never take myself up on that bit of advice. Really. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have over-consumed before going up before, and it's not good. Yeah, some is not good. Uh, sometimes it works, it, it helps, but it depends on where you are on the list of comics that have got to go up. I think yeah. I... December, Christmas time, We it was a few of us who'd done a charity gig in uh, in Swansea. So it's a bit of a driveway from where I am. And I was quite latter on the list, so the drinks were flowing quite well. But yeah. then it was, it was like Prosecco going around. <clears throat> Excuse me, people buying beers, you get talking to people. It was uh, quite a few people down the list. So by the time I went on, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and there was still a few like kids running riot around the place where yeah. they shouldn't have been there. So I thought, fuck them. They've had their chance. Their yeah. parents could have taken them home. So I decided to start my gig by telling them that there was no Father Christmas and the Easter Bunny's not real. <laughs> um, enjoy your night. <laughs> and um, shortly after that, then, there was a lot of parents putting coats on their kids and then they were leaving. So, yeah. Yeah, 
Maybe you should have done as I said on the fucking ticket. Make sure your kids are gone by six thirty. Yeah. Uh, it's funny there was an open mic here shut down because of uh something <clears throat> like that uh, a couple got offended by something and it just, it was shut, just down shut it right he... down yeah <laughs> it was we'll, at we'll, like we'll a coffee it, it was at like a coffee shop they serve beer too but it's just a restaurant coffee shop thing yeah. and it i i had done it a few times and it was not a a fun one anyway. So, it, but it, it uh, got right, shut so down we'll, real quick. We'll yeah. <laughs> General, yeah. So there's just the thought of someone who is prone to take offense to will decide one day just to rock up to a, a comedy night somewhere. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's like someone suffering with migraines, say complaining that they went with gig last night. They woke up this morning with a throbbing headache. He's, well, you went with gig and you suffer from migraines. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> crazy people do your open mics over there do they mix like comedy and music or do you have like separate comedy and separate music ones no we, we've got um the, i've been to a few where there's been like one or two people will take on like a, a guitar or a ukulele or something shout out to my man chris rio he's uh-huh. um he, he plays ukulele with a, a majority of his set is primarily music based actually it's, it's different it breaks the night that yeah yeah it's fun I find that doing a predominantly music open mic, I, I will crash those and do stand up and it's really yeah. a lot of fun because they're not expecting it and they are if you get them to laugh, you've really yeah. done something because they don't want to hear it. So it's yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I've never done a gig where there's been a band on and then there's a comic, but I've, like I said, I've done gigs where there's been comics who play instruments, but never done a gig where there's a band and then comics on. But that would be interesting to do, though, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like what you just said, it'd be fun, yeah. Yeah, it's I can it's, imagine the atmosphere, but I, I can imagine that being a tricky audience, though, because, <clears throat> excuse me, people rock up to drink and listen to music and then a comic comes on, so it's your job then to try and fucking tame the beast with, with your material. So your open joke for that has got to be fucking... Yeah. On board. Yeah, you, you got to grab them right away or you're not going to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I, I think I like the, the challenge more than I like the idea of it, but yeah, I might look for one actually just for a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Do you uh, bounce your uh, jokes off your wife? Um, She'll hear me type something up or write something down and I'm mumbling to myself and she'll be like, so I'll say it to her like when it's literally as infancy and she's yeah. just no idea what the fuck you mean. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then this is what I, I thought it is. Some is I could do some silly little one liner jokes and there'll be like a little bit of a giggle. That's funny. But then if you're trying to break down a joke uh, fits in with a, with a bigger context, then it's not easy to do. Uh, yeah. She, she doesn't laugh. Um, and my new material, my material when I'm writing it, but when she's gay with me, she'll have a genuine laugh. Yeah. I think it's genuine anyway, but I'll ask her. <laughs> and I bet she gives you honest feedback. Yeah, she'd tell me she, if, if she thinks a, a joke was not that good, she'll just give it to me straight. So even if a joke's a little bit, let's just say, um, not really for all audiences she'll give advice on that but she'll never say don't do it she'll just say i think you're you're possibly going to offend some people with that bit but yeah yeah and this group that you're that you've bonded with since you started do a lot of them are they family people do they have wife and kids or do you have quite a few that are single and ready to mingle yeah, it's a few singles and ready to mingle. There's a couple in <laughs> there that I've got settled down, like me, uh-huh. um, with partner and kids and the like. But there's quite a few in there that are young, dumb, and single, ready to mingle. Yeah, but I, I think it's good though. I think they, I think it's you build a, a a decent friendship then with people that you think you may not have anything in common with, but it turns out we do. We got comedy and then you get on the topic of comedy with them and then you find out there's other interests you've got as well. But they're all cool people. Yeah. We, we again, we, we're not afraid to sort of give each other honest feedback as well. I mean, we won't run each other down, but we'll give each other honest feedback if it's asked for. Yeah. Um, be honest with each other and ourselves, help each other out with gigs as well. Yeah. We, we're doing good. It's great to have a community like that. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I I, I like to think that I'd have um, the confidence to. I, I probably would have continued to do stand up comedy if I didn't meet or stay friends with the comics I started with. Mm-hmm. But be interesting 
to know how far I would have progressed without that support group being around in the first place. I think it's more like a confidence thing. Like we've gone to a few gigs together and the confidence of knowing that they are there, it's it's good. But it's mm. almost like I've invited just a lot of friends to come and watch me gig as well. But it just so happens they're also comics too. So it's a confidence thing knowing that we're all together with a bit of moral support. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So if you could envision like the best thing to happen to you after this pandemic's over, what and and within realistic reason, what would you like to happen when things are back to normal? I would love to write Prince Andrew's apologetic speech. <laughs> I'd love to. But I think I realistically, there's a few gigs that were cancelled due to lockdown, but now it's looking like they're going to be happening over the next few months. But I think I would, well, I, I would like to get, obviously, one, get back to gigging again. But ultimately, I think I would like to aim for something bigger scale. Like maybe do one of my mates, Tommy, who's a comic as well. He sent me a link a few months ago about a venue somewhere not too far from here where you can basically rent out this big venue and you have, you can do comedy, you can do music, but it's your to get money back, then you've got to sell the seats. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice to do something big scale like that. Get a few um, tidy comics together, give everyone a 15-minute slot or something, and uh, make a bit of cash on the side. It's good to make money for charity, don't get me wrong, but it'd be nice to <laughs> do a couple more pay gigs as well. Yeah, it's great getting paid. And not yeah. drink tickets or something like that. Although a bar tab, just going to a gig yeah. that has an open tab for you, I rarely turn those down. Yeah, you can't turn those. <laughs> I, I haven't done. I haven't had a gig where um, it's been like a free bar all night. I've done a gig whereby you get a free beer or two, and maybe a free meal or something. But it's, it's nice. But it means whoever's excuse me. Um, there's one particular place we've gigged. There's a Caribbean restaurant in Cardiff. It's a lovely little place, and they will give you a beer or two and. Um, shot of rum uh-huh. a nice uh, <laughs> nice caribbean uh dish as well so uh they're goat curry or something so yeah. it's it's a nice group of guys who work there as well yeah yeah great so if people want to see your stuff or see your social media and stuff like that where do they find you jamie i twitter i'm on uh at jamie dykes five and facebook i'm just Jamie Dykes is a picture of me looking like something from fucking Geordie Shaw, Task Wife, with <laughs> cocktails like this. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I got a I got a YouTube channel as well, and famous. Yes. So, uh, yeah, just Jamie Dykes um, on uh, YouTube. You might have to type in Jamie Dykes comedy because me not fucking thinking when I set it up, but just Jamie Dykes, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I can find myself easy. So I went on my phone and I was like, what the fuck is? Yeah, Jamie Dykes, just a string of them. <laughs> Yeah, find me on Twitter, find me on uh, Facebook, you can find me on, I don't go on Instagram much. Mm. Uh, But yeah, get on my YouTube page, if you like a couple of vids, give it a little thumbs up. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll put everything in the show notes for you too, so they can just go right from the show notes and subscribe right from there, so it'll be easy for my listeners. I'm going to, from this end as well, the other side of the pond, I'm going to do, obviously, it's not like I'm doing a lot, and basically it's going to share your stuff as well on social media. So share the link for this and share your bits and pieces from your from YouTube, from your gigs and stuff as well. I'll push you from this end. So um, it's the least I can do. Yeah, great. Thanks so much for being on the show. I learned a lot, and hopefully you had a good time. Yeah, thank you very much. Much appreciated, and um, hope to come back on the show in a couple of months. Maybe you can have a chat post-lockdown or something. To see yeah, great. <laughs> That's a good idea. Thanks a lot, Jamie. I appreciate no it. No problem. You take care, my man. I 